How are we this morning? Can you hear me? Good. Excellent. My name is Louis. I'm one of the team leaders here at Elevate. And it is fabulous to have you with us this morning. Very cool. Now, who is in for a very exciting one? Who wants to have fun this morning? I so do. Where are these people over here? Is this the boring section? I hope not. I hope not. I hope there's a bit more fun over here because we'll just have fun anyway. Okay? Today is the last, well, wrapping up the series on who do you think you are? So who do you think you are? Hmm. That is the question. Do you have the answer? Well, if you were here listening to the five-week series, yes, you would. And today we'll finish and wrap up with that as well. So I'm really, really excited to um, be communicating with you today. So excited. Now, this seems really old school. I am have a, I'm starting a story already. I said to myself, Louisa, stick to the notes. Don't go off the script. I'm already doing it. It's not even been two minutes, not even 30 seconds. But anyway, um, I have a MacBook notebook. Love her. Oh, she has been the best of my life. She's probably getting close to 10 years old now. And she's dying a little bit. And now my power cord charge has died, completely fizzled. So I'm busy typing, getting my message notes ready, because I love using all my Mac stuff, and <laughs> zoom down. So when I looked at the little thing, it actually wasn't charging at all. Like I'd plugged it in and everything, but it wasn't charging. So here's me thinking I've got oodles of like battery life, and no. So that means I've gone to write my notes. Now, for some, that's probably a great thing. For me, um, writing has deteriorated over the years. Who's possibly experienced that? And um, it's not as clear as it once was. So therefore, if I'm looking a bit like strange, just bear with me because it's my own writing that I'm having problems with. Anyway, let's start. Okay, so tell me this. Who has ever been in a position where they have had to follow someone to get somewhere. So for instance, there's a party that you need to go to or you're going for a coffee or something and you don't know the way, but your friend does. And they say, oh, don't worry, Louis, follow me. I know the way. We'll meet at such and such a place. And just let's say it's someone's house. We'll meet there and just follow me, all right? No worries. Who's experienced that before? You follow someone on the way to somewhere, yeah? Right. And what happens with that following situation? So you get in the car, all cool, they're in front of you, you're there, right, right. Sometimes you set the ground rules, sometimes you don't. Just depends on the following person and the follow leader, if that makes sense. Like it just depends. But anyway, you might, you might not. You get in the car, they reverse, and you start off down the road. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll just explain my scenario and situations. So I'm following someone. And I, now the kind of characteristics that happens, so you really start to hone in and zone in on that one car, don't you? Well, possibly, you might not, but kind of everything else around you seems to diminish and all you really focus on is that one car because there is no way that you're going to fall behind, there's no way that you're going to get stuck at a red light and God forbid that if they ever take off without you and you're lost and stuck there, what do you do? So you do everything you can to completely follow that person. Change lanes when they change lanes. Speed up when they speed up. Slow down when they slow down. And if a car, oh, I hate this part. If another car who doesn't know that I'm following somebody slips in front of me, 
drives me nuts because they didn't know. The rules are you don't do that. You do not pull in front of a car that's following another because you may lose the person in front. So then you start freaking out going, oh, is it the blue one? Oh, the light, the tail lights do look like that. I'm sure that, oh, maybe it's not. Oh, maybe it's that one there. Was it a bluey silver? Because then you start second guessing yourself and it's stressful because you're thinking, oh my gosh, I just need to follow this person and I need to get there. And if I don't, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because if they don't know the rules, if they get caught at a red light, they keep going. Are they going to stop down the road or are they going to keep driving? Driving. First world problems, everybody. Seriously. You may laugh, but it's true. Then you sit thinking, oh my goodness, do they know the rules? Do they know that they need to stop and wait for me? Because if they don't, how am I going to find where I am? And then you've got the reverse side. If you are the follow the leader person, so you're in the car in the front, I shift a little bit. I become like, I am so awesome because I know the way. Forget GPS. We've got Louisa in the car. Just follow me, seriously. UBD, for our Victorian friends, Melways, we don't need them. Just follow me. I totally know the way. So depending on the role you have as a follow leader or follower, sometimes brings out different characteristics, I reckon. But the one thing that seems to stick with me the most is when I'm the follower, there is nothing that's going to get me lost. I'm telling you now, I will follow that person till I get to that destination. I am like a vigilante on the road and I don't judge, but I sometimes run the orange light to make sure I don't lose their tail. Please tell me you've never done that before. Yeah, right. Well, we won't talk about that. So, you know, it's really important that I just, because I want to get there, I want to get to where we're going. I don't want to miss out on that coffee. I don't want to miss out on that party. Oh, no, no, no. I've got to get there. And I want to get there when they get there. That's the rules. Okay, another thing. Has anybody ever, in their existence ever, played a sporting game, right? So part of a team and they have played sport. So has anyone done that? So you join a team and you've got a coach or a leader and you're in a sporting team at some point in your life. Maybe, maybe not. I kind of didn't do that growing up because I really wasn't a sports fan. I'd started doing bits and pieces, but I was a bit like, oh, I don't really like that. Oh, I'm not really into that. But what I did do is I did dancing. Dancing was a big thing for me. I loved it. I did it for years. I started when I was three and I probably finished when I was starting my teenage years because then school got in the way. So I didn't continue. And I did ballet, tap, jazz, contemporary, all of it, acro. Um, so cool thing is I can do some things that I used to be able to do because it's a bit of a muscle memory thing, but you know, some things you get stuck with and you think, jeepers, I should never have done that because now I cannot move for the next four weeks. So... Sometimes I like to say, oh, I could do this still. And then I think, oh, I should never have done that. So, but what ha typically happens when you're kind of in a dance class? Has anyone been in a dance class before? It could be anything. It doesn't have to be tap, jazz, but it could be salsa. It could be um, boring dancing. Has anyone done that before? Anyone? Oh, so we've got a few dances. That's good. I like it. Well, today that may change. You might get the opportunity to do something that you've never done before. Anyway, when you're in a dance class, typically you have a teacher and they are your instructor. So they teach you what to do. And you as the student follow the steps. So they're standing in front of you in the class and they will instruct you with a particular move and then eventually you will copy that or you certainly will follow them and follow their lead. And eventually at the end of that possible lesson or consequent weeks, 
you have established a routine that you know and can eventually bust out some moves, right? So you have acquired a skill, you've learnt from the instructor, and then you execute some action. Does that make sense? Does that sound like fun? Yeah? I think it's fun. So this is what we're going to do this morning. Two minutes worth. Let's stand. Oh, some people aren't going to stand. Let's stand. Get comfortable. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Pretend we're in a Broadway musical theatre. Okay? Let's not, some people have said. Pretend we are. Don't worry, it's not going to be too uncomfortable, okay? And I am the instructor. You are my students. And we're going to learn a step. Really simple, really easy. Standing in front of me, you've got this leg, which is going to be your left leg. And you're going to step it out to the side and put it back together. Awesome. Ready? That way. Step it out to the side. Together. Good job. Now we're going to do the same with this leg, which is your right leg. Step it out to the side. Together. So let's go. One, two. And we're going to do four lots. Okay. One, two, three. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Very good. Okay. I'm liking this. Right, and we're going to do one more thing, then we're going to put it to music. Yeah. So this morning you can go, what, what was church about? Well, I busted some moves, learnt some new actions, and I'm ready to hit the town, okay? Then we're going to do forward, okay? So the same leg that you started on, we're going to step forward. So forward and back, forward and back, forward and back, forward and back. All right? Simple. I'm going to count you in. We're going to have a bit of a practice. Oh, no, let's just go for it. Scotty, we're ready? Let me just get it sorted. One of my favourite songs. And, yeah, not quite the Harlem shape, but, you know. Are you giving me sound? Okay. Ready? Okay, we're going to do the moves. Ready? And I'm going to count you in. You can groove a bit if you want. Five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four. Keep going. One, two, three, four. And stop. Five, six, seven, eight. And forward. One, two, three, four. Again. And five, six, seven, eight. And stop. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And one, Two, three, and forward now. Five, six, seven, eight. One more time. One, two, three, four, and forward. Five, six, seven, eight. Well done. Good job. So, take a seat. I'm so impressed. Tell you what. Mark is missing out, I tell you. So we've got some groovers, I saw, some, some bit of, you know, improv happening. It's good. I like it. Now, okay, we can have a bit of fun, but, you know, basically, at the end of that, if we had kept going, we could have done a whole routine, learnt some new steps, and by the end of it, you would have, by the instructor, learnt some stuff, yeah? You would walk away with it and you'd be equipped. I don't know where you'd use some disco-busting moves, but you could use them anywhere you'd feel comfortable to do that. Now, the interesting thing is 
those two scenarios actually, they kind of popped in my brain this week because, you know, in life, I suppose, for me, when I think about Jesus and when I think about following him, I kind of use life experience to assimilate my understanding. And those two scenarios really kind of stood out for me. It's like, what is it about those things that really got me thinking about what it means to follow Jesus? Like, why did they kind of seem so strong? And I'm thinking, well, there's some similar characteristics, like there was a follower, so there was someone you needed to follow, and there was you who needed to respond to something, yeah? And with that, it looked like the person that was following had to do some stuff with the follow leader, if that makes sense. Yeah? Now, I kind of got thinking, well, you know, what is it about the person following that seemed to be okay with following that leader? Well, number one, that follow leader person seemed to have confidence. So me as the follower could trust that in that person could actually go, well, I, I know they know this. I know they know the way. I'm not going to freak out. They're good. I might be a bit nervous about it, but I know they know the way. I'm going to make sure I follow. My dance teacher, oh, the steps are a little bit hard. I'm not really sure. doesn't matter. She knows what she's doing, so I'm going to trust her to lead me to do the right things, to follow the right steps. And see, there's great confidence in that. Me as the follower... The confidence I have in that leader is incredible because I'm making the decision to allow them to lead me. See, the dance teacher knows all the moves, doesn't she? It would appear, right? And she does what she needs to do. And she's done it before. She probably has 20-something years experience or whatever. So she kind of gets on and gets busy with it. And what? I do as the follower is trust her ability, her history, her, um, op, well, I suppose, ab- ab- ability to teach, to communicate, and all I need to do is sit in her slipstream. See, that to me marries with how I follow Jesus. My job here on earth, our job here on earth, is to follow Jesus. That's what we're called and designed to do. Jesus has been on the car route already. He's driven the streets a lot. He knows the way. He can bring us to a place without a GPS because he's done it. He can lead us with shortcuts to get to a destination because he's already driven the road. Similar to a dance class, he knows the moves already. All I or we have to do is position ourselves to be in the environment, to learn the steps and move accordingly. See, in actual fact, I kind of get the impression that that's a little like life, you know. And the question I tend to throw around a lot in my brain is, gosh, how do I navigate this? What would be the best conduct What would be the right decision? How do I bring the best out in the situation? What would I do here? How will I do this? 
Now, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I would like to suggest that answering those questions are found in Jesus. How to navigate, how to make decisions, how to move, how to shape. How do I do that? Well, I have a pretty incredible example to follow. See, Jesus experienced humanity. And some of us might be really familiar with that because we're probably a little bit more familiar with our Bibles. And some of us aren't. And that's cool. But the truth is, he came to earth as a baby. He started off as a baby. And he grew up to become a man. And through that whole time, he experienced humanity. He experienced what it was like to be a human being on this planet. He went there. So, in some ways, we can throw into the mix that we could be pretty confident to trust his judgment in stuff because he's been there before. He's walked the walk. He's experienced stuff that will help us in our future. See, I love the concept, where Jesus walks, I walk. Where he goes, I go. What he says, I say. What he thinks, I think. And the picture I get, and I love this. So who likes going to the beach? I like going to the beach. Who likes walking on the beach? I think I like walking on the beach more than swimming in the beach. I was worried about sharks and jellyfish. I just, whoa. Even if there's none, I'm like, oh, you never know this time there could be one. This time I bet you there is. And look, I bet you I know that I saw a jellyfish. Probably there's not even jellyfish that live there, but I'm guaranteed that there will be one in there. So I like to walk on the beach rather than swim in the beach. But what I like to do the most is actually walk in footsteps of others. Why? Because it's easier to walk. Who thinks that? Rather than carve your own kind of footprints, which is fun also, but it's a lot more work, really. I like to walk in someone else's footsteps. So I kind of find the spot and pick a trail and I kind of follow the footsteps. Sometimes it could be typically a taller man or woman and the steps are far too long for me and I look like a gazelle across the beach because I'm trying to get to the next footstep. But I do that and I find it actually ends up being easier. I mean, I still have to work because it's not easy walking in sand, but I find it easier because I'm kind of following the footsteps of what's already been carved out. Exactly like Jesus, people. Exactly like following Jesus. Following his footsteps is easier, not easy, period, easier, because he's carved a groove for us to step into. And to navigate that, we can find confidence in his footsteps already. See, we're created to become like Christ. Genesis, the book of Genesis, the very first book in our Bible says this, and it's chapter one. So the very first thing, then God said, let us make human beings in our image and likeness. Oh, I love that. Now we might not believe that yet, but it's true because he said it. And we're just going to get to a place where we trust that word more. But what does that mean? Well, exactly the likeness of God, like exactly. The visible image of the invisible God, that's us. The exact representation of his being. Heard the expression, like father, like son? Oh, chip off the old block. 
exactly the same. Oh my gosh, you remind me of your mother. Exactly like your mother. Oh my gosh, you remind me of your father. That's, oh, I can't believe it. You look exactly like her. Hello, it's exactly like us and God. Seriously. I know it's weird to understand, but it's true. We are our father's son and daughter. Absolutely. See, God's ultimate goal for our lives on earth is not comfort, but it's character development. Oh, oh, I don't like that word, character development. It's so hard. But that's the kind of point. He didn't come to bring us comfort. He came so we grow and develop as an individual. At the same time, I love growth and development. While it's prickly and difficult, I do love it because it shows you're alive and kicking and something's going on in your world. So he wants us to grow up spiritually and become more like Christ. Now, this does not mean we lose our personality or become mindless clones of everybody else. God created our uniqueness and we need to embrace that, absolutely. Christ-likeness is all about transforming our character, not our personality. So if you are out there loud and gregarious, go for it. It doesn't mean that that needs to change, but what does is how we respond to stuff, our character stuff. Or if you're quiet and unassuming, that's cool too. That's fine. doesn't mean you have to change that, but our character, absolutely. See, the Holy Spirit's job is to help us do this, become Christ-like in our character. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Well, I like that. That's really cool. A little bit like, go back to our scenario, like father, like son. Seriously, those who are parents. How many times have you noticed over the course of your lives with your children, particularly as they're growing and developing, when they get older, probably not so much because it's become more of who they are, that they are like you. You know, they'll do, like, if you do that, they might do the same. You look and think, oh, my gosh, little so-and-so did this like me. Or stand like you. Or say a word like you. Or shrug their shoulder or tilt their head. Whatever, like you, like you're the mum or the dad. They do it like you. Same as with God, the same, the exact same. See, whilst... Let me find my spot. See, whilst this is true, that we reflect more of God's glory, we have a part to play, though. It's not just instantaneous. Wand, we're done. Thank you very much. I am glorious. No, we have a part to play in this. We need to contribute to this. We need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And God waits for us to do it, would you believe? He's good when you follow him in the road. He waits. He waits in the car for you to catch up. He doesn't drive off. He's awesome. And he'll keep waiting if you decide to stay at the red light and get stuck there. He'll keep waiting and waiting and waiting until you cross that intersection and catch up with him. It's incredible, but he does do it. It's our job to take a step toward him. We don't have to wait to feel confident or have it all together. We can make the decision to step toward him straight away with fear, with feeling like you're a failure, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the decision to make a step toward him. See, 
This, at the end of the day, is how our character is developed. We take a step towards him, we do it anyway, because we trust that he's going to lead and guide us. Becoming like Christ is a long, steady process. It's the everyday of the everything. See, we are a work in progress, and transforming to be like Jesus is a constant thing. It'll take the rest of our lives. We will never arrive until we get to heaven. And I love that because you know what? It doesn't promote for me to be perfect. It promotes me to just keep pressing on, keep getting conquering the next step, and then the next step, and the next step. I don't have to arrive. I've got the liberty to mold, grow, and shape as my life continues to follow Jesus. See, God does want us to grow up. He wants us to mature and develop the characteristics of Jesus. Sadly, and I think we've probably heard this before, you know, in the traps and stuff, we can grow older, but we don't always grow up. Hey, that's true. So our age doesn't always indicate our maturity. That's always hard to hear, but it's kind of true because we have to be actively engaged in growing up and maturing. We need to make the decisions that are going to get us to a place of considering others and not ourselves. Our Christian journey is about growing, progressing, and developing. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It takes intentional commitment. Now, I love this part. I can't claim it because I was reading Rick Warren's um, book. I've got it there anyway. Awesome. And he had this in the book. I love it. Listen, we must want to grow, decide to grow, make an effort to grow, persist in growing. This is discipleship following Jesus. It is the process of becoming like Christ. (gasps) Love it. I've been chewing over that in my brain this week. I love it. See, Jesus says this in Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 9. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said. So Matthew got up and followed. Oh, fancy that. That seems pretty okay, doesn't it? Come. Oh, checking the time here. Okay, good. See, Nothing shapes us more than the commitment we choose to make. Our commitment can develop us or destroy us. Either way, it will define us. So what we commit to, really, what we invest, what we kind of do over and over and over, can either really grow us or it can really destroy us. And that was an interesting concept that I was like, hmm, I get that. How I execute my daily action thought plan will either grow me or destroy me. Hmm. Becoming like Christ is the result of making choices and decisions based on his thoughts and his ways, trusting that he'll help you. If we are serious about following Jesus and becoming more like him, we first have to change the way we think. And then we're going to kind of wrap this up now. See, behind what we do is a thought. Do we get that? Behind everything we do, it has to start somewhere, and it starts with a thought, right? Every behavior is motivated by a belief. Every action is prompted by an attitude. Do we kind of get that one? If not, let it stew over in your brain. So everything we do has a thought, is a thought. Every behavior is motivated by a belief, and every action is prompted by an attitude. And you know what's really cool about this? God said it before psychologists even invented it. He said this in Proverbs 4, 23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. That is a very interesting one. Because this world is really important. And it's more often than not, God says it shapes the way we think and act, move and mould. Hmm. So imagine you're a pilot on a plane. Who'd like to be a pilot on a plane? Anyone? Really? Oh, freak out. Oh, freak out. Good, though. We've got someone who would take us flying if we ever wanted to go. So imagine you're an all... And apparently they do all... I, when I found this out, I was very nervous. There's an autopilot mechanism, okay? So the pilot doesn't actually fly the plane. He presses buttons and sticks with the coordinates and then, then the autopilot does it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, his hands are not on the wheel. Are you kidding me? Anyway, I came over it, dealt with it. But what happens is, just say the pilot has to go a different direction, right? Well, rather than um, worry about the autopilot, he might just grab, I'll say the wheel, whatever it's called, the thingo. The what? Joystick. Is that really what it's called? Hmm, there you go. The joystick. And he wants to go to the left, right? Your left. So he'll grab it and he'll just yank that thing and turn. Now... That's a lot of force to go against the autopilot because it's already programmed to kind of go a certain way. So he's got to kind of put a lot of horsepower to make that craft go the other way. And he'll keep doing it and doing it. Now his arms are going to get tired. He's going to find that it's going to get really exhausting. But no, I'm going to do it myself. Or rather, he could dial in to the um, tower, request an alteration, because of A, B, C, D, they plug it in and the plane adjusts accordingly. And he still just needs to sit, keep an eye, stay engaged, but allow the work to somebody else. It's totally like our thought world. We can force stuff with willpower and, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to get fit. But it might be worth taking a step back and changing the autopilot mechanism, engaging with God, finding out what he's thinking about and realigning ourselves, reset our coordinates and set on a different trajectory that is going to help us, not cause us a lot of arm pain. So, the see... I, I pause because it is. I am so passionate about this kind of stuff because first and foremost, if we get our thought world right and align it with the way God thinks, it truly will have a domino effect in so many other areas of our world. It will shift our thinking and shift our ability to consider things, to um, alternate, or sorry, uh, provide alternate, alternative behaviour, whatever, we've got an opportunity because we've got a really good reference point to start with. See, Romans says this, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And this is in Romans 12. The way we think determines the way we feel, and the way we feel influences the way we act. To be like Christ, we must develop the mind of Christ. And Philippians says this. We are to think the same way that Christ Jesus thinks. Now, that's all well and good, but how does it happen? I'm so glad you asked. How does that all happen? Well, I tell you, this is how I do it. I have an app. And... It is called Uversion. It's from lifechurchtv.com. Love it. I go there and I download this app, and it's the Bible online. 
You can follow a reading plan. You can do whatever. But if I need to, if I'm going to become a follower of Jesus more so, am I going to align myself with His way? If I'm going to do this and follow His truth, how do I do it? Really, really interesting. So I key in. Now the cool thing about it, if you like to do the heart, the old school stuff, and you like your Bible paper with pages, regardless of whether it's online or whether it's in a Bible hard pages, Jesus' words are in red. So that's really easy and really key. So if you want to know what he says, find the words in red. And there's one bit that I like, so I might go, and I just happen to flick, because I just did, and it's in the book of Matthew. So that is in the first testament, sorry, the second testament, like the second part of the book, and it's the first chapters, right? And I just scroll. Okay, there's red. Oh, let me find this one. Okay. There's a section there, it says, love your enemies. Oh, yuck. Okay. Well, what do you say about it, God? Because I've got a scenario at work. I have a very difficult co-worker and um, very difficult to get along with, very negative, um, says quite snide comments and is always kind, quite cutting and all the rest of it. Really awkward to work with. Okay, struggling. What do you say about this, Jesus? How am I going to be Christ-like here? How am I going to develop my skill? How am I going to change my thinking? What am I going to do? Well, it says this. You have heard it said, love your neighbour, hate your enemy. Yes, he agrees with me. Fantastic. Love your neighbour, hate your enemy. Awesome. Do I stop reading there? Mm, No, because he goes on to continue and says, but. Oh, there's a but there. Oh, so I can't love my neighbours only and hate my enemies. There's more I have to do. Okay, what are you telling me, Jesus? How do I think about this? All right. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you for real? She hates me. I hate her. I'm just, oh, can't be bothered with it. Remember, my objective is to become more like Christ, to follow his footsteps, to follow his ways. Practical. Okay, then. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's the popular belief, but it's not true. You're saying something different. Okay, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, then there's another line. It says that you may be children of your father in heaven. Oh, do you remember before when we said like father, like son? Oh, so if I want to be like Jesus, if I want to reflect him in my life, I'm going to have to love my enemies, pray for those who persecute me so that they will see my relationship with God. That's how I follow Jesus. That's exactly how I do it. The last step is to act. It's the physical manifestation of learning this. So I'm changing my thinking. I'm no longer thinking, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That is naughty. No, no, no. I have to say, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That has to be my thinking now. Okay, what does that mean? Doesn't mean you become a doormat. No. Doesn't mean you go, oh, lay it on me, sister. Say whatever you want to me. No. But it's my attitude and how I'm going to act in the situation. Go to work. Okay, the next day. She might be spouting on about something, carrying on. I can bite back. I can snip. Because, you know, before I used to think you hated your enemies. No, I meant to love them, pray for them. So, rather, I can get up and walk away. Or... I can sit there, and if I can't because you physically can't move, I might try and change the conversation a little bit. Or I might do something like, because no one ever is negative when you say this, oh my God, I love your hair today. What did you do? That looks amazing. Instant shift, instant turnaround, and they'll stop. So you take on the mind of Christ, 
Shift the situation, act out. The more you do it, the more familiar it becomes, like our dance moves. And in the end, you are becoming a prima ballerina because you are following the footsteps of Jesus, following his dance moves, becoming familiar with what the routine is like. What happens, it becomes second nature. And that is exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, doing that daily. And we then reflect his glory. He's done it already. We just step in, step in his slipstream. The work is doing it. Changing our thinking, aligning to what he says, acting it out. And let me tell you, it's not easy, but when you do it, you want to sing hallelujah when you've turned a situation around and that person starts to not be as prickly as they used to be. It's pretty cool. Let's pray. But before we get there, Lord, I just thank you that your word is so true, it's so true, it's so true, that we can trust and be confident knowing that this stuff absolutely works. It really does. God, as we gather as your church today, I pray that this word, this seed penetrates our mind and hearts, that we're able to learn and grow and become more like you. Make decisions and choices that will step us to reflect your glory more in our lives. And Father, I pray specifically for anybody in this place that doesn't even or hasn't even begun to follow you, hasn't even made the decision to say, yes, you know what, Louis, I'm sitting here, I'm listening, This following thing seems pretty cool, but I don't know what to do next. Well, this morning I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand and respond to following Jesus. And each day will become like a breath of fresh air as he helps you shape and navigate your future. So right now, I'm going to look across this auditorium, and if you would like to respond to that first step of following Jesus in your life. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and then I'm going to pray with you. So anyone across this auditorium, if that's you and you're sitting there and thinking, I want to make a step to say, yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to do this. Take that courageous step and do that. I'm looking to the left and the right. Cool. Those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus, to continue to step in his footsteps, I pray that we do it more earnestly, that we do it with a passion and a desire to see our lives become more and more reflective of your glory, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every family represented in this house, that you bless, mould and shape them for you. In your son's mighty name we pray. Amen.